Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hi there and welcome. It's Lisa Leitner from Don't IEP Alone and A Day in Our Shoes. Welcome and thank you for listening to another podcast. Today is an exciting day for me. I have my first ever podcast interview, so please bear with me if there are glitches. I am working out recording and having a guest speaker, and of course, we're doing it by phone. Um, But I'd like to introduce to you Jennifer Price. Jennifer is an attorney from the Pittsburgh area. She is a special education attorney and does a few other disability-related legal issues, such as special needs trusts and uh, landlord-tenant issues as pertains to people with disabilities and so on. She is also a published author now of a new book. So Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book first? Hi, sure. Thank you for having me on. Um, So I wrote a book titled Empowered Using Real Case Examples to Look Deeper into IEP Management, which I recognize is a mouthful, but I basically went through cases from 2018 that I thought were relevant and helpful. It's not all the cases. It's a pretty short book. And I summarize the cases in an easily digestible way um, and then get provided, you know, significant thought questions at the end with space to take notes for parents or caregivers or advocates helping parents to then, you know, use those cases to analyze their own situation. Okay. And the book is available on Amazon, correct? It is. It's available on Amazon for twelve ninety five. It's a paperback book. Okay, great. And it's available as an ebook on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Yep, the ebook is nine ninety five. Okay, great. So take a look at that um, if for my listeners, if you're interested. Um, it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you today, and the content of your book is also v- is very timely for for parents. Um, of course, we recently had and, and recently being a relative term, but we recently had the Supreme Court decision of Andrew. Um, and a lot of parents know about the court decision. I like that your book uh, summarizes court decisions because I've read through a lot. I've read through a lot of federal appeal decisions and so on, and, and they can be a little tough to digest. And you have to, I'm sure as an attorney, you even have to like set time aside to read it uninterrupted, digest it, and so on. Um, but I think for the layperson, it's particularly difficult. And I think that a lot of parents, or I know that a lot of parents, because they ask me about it, they want to use court decisions, particularly Andrew and particular, particularly Doug C. versus Hawaii. Um, those are the two, I think, that come up most often. But they want to use those uh, 
with their IEP team. You know, they want to have something to point to to show the IEP team that says, hey, look, you have to do this. It says it says so right here. Um, I have yet to find, I don't know if delicate's the right word I want to use, but I have yet to find a really, truly um, functional and professional way for parents to do that. Can you speak to that a little bit? For parents to understand some of the cases like interest? Well, that, to understand the cases, but also when the parent, you know, the parent's working alone, they don't have an advocate, they don't have an attorney, and they kind of want to use case law or use court decisions in their argument to getting their child's needs met. Right. Right. So I I completely agree with you. I have also um, come across many parents who have felt frustrated at the situation that they're in, and they really follow the case law, so they're aware of decisions like NGF, but the same thing, they don't know how to use it. And I've gone to workshops and presented at workshops, and that's always the question at the end. Now, how do I use that information? That's great that I know how the court rules, but how do I then use that uh, information? And that really was the biggest impetus behind the book, to try to pull back some of the layers and the mirrors, smoke and mirrors of the case law and understand, allow parents to kind of see how we as lawyers will read the cases and how we then use the cases. So I go through, um, I, I have, it's, there are four steps in the book, um, but then in each step, like step one with child find, I will use, I will cite a couple of cases and then, for instance, ask very specific questions um, that parents can then think about, you know, like uh, when it comes to evaluations, one of the questions I ask, and if a parent has gotten an, an independent educational evaluation, is if your child needs an IEE, are the school and private evaluators using different tests, and if so, which tests are being used? As a parent, you need to learn the differences among the tests and what symptoms or disabilities the evaluators are testing for, because there, when it came to evaluations, there was a case that where it came down to experts and the different testing and why the courts may have ruled in the school district's favor and so forth and so on. So I agree, there, there definitely um, is a, a desire from parents to want to use the cases, and that was the emphasis behind the book. Okay. To try to help them learn how to use these cases without hiring a lawyer. And I also did some research, and statistically, when it comes to a due process hearing, the, there are a large number of parents, almost uh, not quite the majority, but there are certainly a large number of parents that represent themselves in a due process hearing. So especially when that situation occurs, knowing that due process hearings can be appealed to a court of law, and so everyone, hearing officer, judge alike, are looking at case law decisions, I think it's definitely beneficial for parents to really know how to use these cases. It is. Um, and I'm not sure, I, have, I haven't personally looked it up in quite some time, but the last time I did research it, I believe that the success rate of parents prevailing when they go pro se, and that is um, not using an attorney, but doing the due process case themselves. Um, but that the, the rate that they will win or prevail is in the single digits. Is that still correct? Yeah. Yep. 
that's what I learned also, and, and it, it has not changed. Um, and even when I've read some of the hearing officer decisions myself, um, I have not read a case yet where a parent has been successful at, at the due process hearing. Not that I've read all the cases, uh, certainly, but the ones that I have read, the parents were not successful. Right. The only, and I've been doing this now for about 10 years, the only person I know um, who was successful is is one of my mentors and um, like she's one of my idols, really. She's um, a little bit older than I am, but she's a working advocate and she also is a paralegal and um, just a really, really gifted advocate. And I, I so much enjoy even talking with her because just the stuff that comes out of her mouth. I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't even think of it that way. Um, but she's just an exceptional person and and she has an exceptional advocacy mind. And she is the only person I've ever known, um, to prevail in due process and keeping in mind that that was before, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, burden of proof. So, um, she, she prevailed and it was also before 2005 when, um, she did not bear the burden of proof. So, um, so there's that. Um, but yes, the, that's important. I think for parents to know that first of all, and I don't know if our, our statewide statistic, Jennifer and I are both in Pennsylvania, um, and our office of dispute resolution will tell you that more than 90% of due process filings are settled or do not, or withdrawn. They, they do not proceed to an actual due process hearing less than 10% of them do. Um, and then of those that do go to a due process hearing, the, the weight, the rate of parents winning is in the single digits. So that's just important to know. Um, so as a parent listening to this right now, they're thinking, Oh, great. Um, so basically what you're saying is I need an attorney. And when parents need an attorney or an advocate, the first thing that I hear is, Oh, well, I can't afford one. What I, my advice to them is, you know, often you can't afford not to, um, unless, you know, unless you are a paralegal or have some kind of, I don't want to say inside knowledge, but some kind of work experience or something that will, will give you kind of a little bit of an edge. Well, exactly. And there is, um, language in the statute that allows for attorney fee reimbursement. Now, of course, that requires you to, the parents to have the money up front, um, but there, there is that language in the statute, and so usually what I will do is, um, once we get down to settlement negotiations in lieu of going through a hearing, then I'll negotiate a reimbursement from the school district, and I haven't had any issues with that. Now, I do speak to a couple of cases regarding attorney fees in the book where that has been an issue. Um, and, and whether, you know, a parent could, uh, refuse the offer being made by the school if they don't agree to reimburse the attorney. Um, but there is language in the statute allowing for attorney reimbursement, which uh, I tell parents the same thing. Like it's, it can be an expensive, long hardship if you don't get an attorney. Um, however, you know, I, I do hope that parents will at least have take this book and use it if they either don't have the money or they're just determined to at least make an effort without an attorney, that they will try to use the book to help analyze. Because I do think that it will help sort of clear their thoughts a little bit better, and it will get them to see 
things from the school district's perspective, you know, because sometimes parents will come in and they will talk about fairness and the school isn't looking at what's fair. The, the school peer position is what am I legally allowed to do? Because that's going to be the lawyer's position. What is the school district legally allowed to do? And so if parents can start thinking in that mode about whether it's legal or not legal versus whether it's fair or unfair, then it will position them better in the long run. Right. I um, Several years ago for the blog, I had interviewed um, a hearing officer actually from up in New England. And he said many of the same things that you're saying as far as parents. And I actually just did a podcast kind of along the same vein. And when I, I said, you're standing too close to the elephant. Um, and I, I think parents get in this mode and I get it. I'm a parent and I you know, I have one with disabilities and I, I get the protective nature and the mother bear or what, you know, whatever you want to call it. But when you're standing too close to the elephant, you're not seeing everything. And I think that's, that's a trap that parents kind of get into. One of the, um, one of the other parent mentors or parent advocates who is in, who admins, I'm sorry, who admins the Facebook group with me, um, she calls it like they fell in the hole. And it's kind of like parents just fall in this hole and they can't see out. They can only see one little beam of light. And that's what they focus on is reaching that beam of light. And they're not looking at all the things around them. Well, exactly. And I think that's why the success rate is so low at the due process hearing state, because, you know, you're, you're required to at least try to negotiate a settlement ahead of time. And so if you're, once you're emotionally invested, it can be hard for you to maybe hear the other side or what the school is saying, or maybe the school is just, you know, being standoffish and evasive and, and they're being difficult themselves, which wouldn't be unusual. And so then by the time you get to the due process hearing, sometimes it can be hard for you to really delineate the issues and focus them and then know exactly how to argue your points based on the issues. And so your arguments may come out, a parent's arguments may come out more emotionally based, um, whereas if you hire a lawyer, that person isn't going to be emotionally uh, invested, obviously, because that's not their child, but, but they're also going to be able to make this purely legal-based argument about whether it's a denial of faith uh, for various reasons. So I wrote the book and, and asked, and provided the questions at the end in the hopes that parents could use it to take notes to help them really, really think about their child's situation, you know, and and be able to articulate their points in a less emotional, more legal uh, format. Good. Um, I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Um, it's... I, I often have to also recommend or remind parents that, you know, the good guy doesn't always win. Um, no. You know, life isn't always fair. Hearing officers aren't, aren't always going to see things your way. And again, when you're standing too close to it, you can only see one thing. And it's like, this is so incredibly unfair. How do you not, how do you not see what's going on here? How do you not see what they're doing to my child? Um, and not using enough because once you get to due process, um, I had a, an advocate mentor many years ago who said, once you go to due process, you know, everyone's losing um, because it's no longer even really about the child. It's about who has the better case and who can, you know, who has the better paper trail, who has the better documentation of um, providing FAPE or denial of FAPE. Yeah. Yep. 
And that's why I love the parents that come into my office who at least have stacks of papers. And they usually walk in apologizing, oh, I'm sorry, I have so much papers and so many papers and so many notebooks. And I tell them, no, this is great because I don't know what the school has, but I like the fact that I can at least look at, you know, two, three, four years of IEPs to see are the goals reading verbatim every single year or were changes made? So, uh, you know, you have all the progress reports, you have all the report cards and test grades. So I, I 100% agree with the paper trail and, and who has kept, who has kept the best notes. Um, lawyers always uh, like paper trails. Whether you, whether you like the information in the paper trail or not is another, is another issue, but to actually have something to show um, to back up what you're saying is, is certainly successful. And I will say that once it gets to an appeal to a federal court, you know, if you're appealing a, a due process or I'm sorry, a hearing officer's decision, if the parent is appealing because they've lost at the due process hearing level, that can be difficult um, because if they're claiming that someone can't be believed, there are certain issues that that the courts will look at and just defer to the hearing officer. And hearing officers are given a lot of deference when it comes to credibility. You know, if the hearing officer has deemed one witness more credible over the other, that credibility determination is not is going to be a very hard issue to appeal. And usually those issues are appealed by parents, and I think because the lawyers and the schools know the burden is so high to try to show that the hearing officer ruled and, you know, made a bad decision in, in a, on a credibility issue. Um, and, and then the other thing that parents should understand is that fundamentally, and I mentioned this a couple of times in the book, once it gets to a court, courts really don't like to be in the business of telling a school district how to run their school or how to educate their children. And so depending on what the issue is, if it's been appealed to a federal court, um, uh, unfortunately, by the usually by the parents, then it, sometimes there can be a ruling in favor of the school district because the court will find a way to say we're going to defer to the court, or we're going to defer to the school. We're in the business of interpreting laws. The school is in the business of educating students, and who are we to, you know, sort of supplant our decision and our judgment for the school district because they know the kids within their their district. So that's also something to keep in mind. All the cases that I mentioned in the book are not um, school district friendly by all means. There are definitely cases where the school where the court has ruled in the parents' favor. Um, but I do think it's important for the parents to keep in mind that if they know courts don't really like to get bogged down into how the schools are educating kids, then they can also use that to take a different stance and strategize how they're going to approach the situation that they come out winning at the due process level. Wow, that is... And, because hearing officers can be a little bit more friendly to parents anyways. Yeah, that's um, that's some excellent information. And I would say at least here, um, you know, I'm in the suburban Philadelphia area and we have a very large and active um, advocate and special ed attorney, what's the word, like climate. Um, it's very active here. Other states, obviously not so much in other states, you don't have the availability of special ed attorneys and advocates and things like that. Um, 
but I th at least here, there's rumors and hearsay and things like that when you go to lunch with people that there are certain hearing officers who tend to rule more school friendly and those who tend to decide more often in favor of the parents. Do you see that? Yep, absolutely. And those, uh, those discussions get, um, get passed around as well. And certainly if you're going in front of a hearing officer you've never, who's the first for you, then I'll reach out to a colleague and ask, you know, what kind of uh, hearing officer is this? You know, and, and that's also what you'll find in the court system as well. So it's, there is, I can say, some level of unfairness because you should never feel like you're on the, you're going to, you know, be on the winning or losing side just simply based on who your judge is or who your hearing officer is. But unfortunately, it, that can be the case sometimes. But it's good to know that ahead of time so that you'll know exactly how to approach the case. You know, if you have someone who's very school district friendly, and but they also can appreciate the case law and the academics behind it all, then you can just try to prepare your case accordingly. So you can really issue spot everything and um, highlight all of the specific points relative to the case law to show how your case is similar, your case is different. Um, so it's good to have that information if you can get it, because it really does help you strategize your case. Good. And that's, um, you know, what you've said right there is one of the big arguments that I give to parents when they say, well, I can't afford an advocate or an attorney. I say, you know, it's not just about me sitting in the meeting with you. And it's not just about writing, you know, a due process, filing a claim. Um, it's about you're paying for all this knowledge that's in your head and all this experience and all your connections and all your networking. Um, and you can't really put a price on that. And that is where, you know, you can see parents are going to be at a severe disadvantage because they, they don't know any special ed attorneys and they're not going to, you know, you're not really going to be able to call one up and say, Hey, what do you know about this hearing officer? If you don't know them. Right. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here today. Um, any few, let's give, let's hear a few more words about your book. And again, remind us where we can find it. Uh, sure. So the book is titled Empowered, and it's empowered, but the ED is capitalized, you know, for the education part of it. <laughs> Using real case examples to look deeper into IEP management, and it can be found on Amazon as a paperback or uh, an ebook, and it also can be purchased from Barnes & Noble as an ebook. Okay, great. We'll take a look for that book, uh, listeners. And also, I will provide an Amazon link on the podcast. So wherever you listen to the podcast, there will be a link in the synopsis as to where to find the book. Um, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone. And with a day in our shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group.
Wait. 